And a very good morning, everyone. It's Oliver Callan at your service until 10 o'clock this morning. It is Wednesday, the 2nd of August now. Yes, it is. Lunasa. Eat your pagan heart out. Or at least just the blackberries. The text number, as ever, 51551. And from the north, it's studio and then your message to 80889. And uh, really looking forward to our guests coming into us today. You've heard the expression, the valley of the squinting windows, as a kind of a, a term, neatly expressing the narrow-mindedness of a certain era in Irish society, especially small-town rural Ireland and the gossip and the shaming and the judgement of all that era. And The Valley of the Squinting Windows is also the name of a famous novel written in 1918 by one Brinsley McNamara, set in Westmeath. And, and although it was fictional, it was clearly about the small town of Delvin, where he was from, and its town folk who reacted so strongly to this um, riveting story of scandalous pregnancy and shame and mean residence uh, that they burned the book and ran the author's family out of the Midlands, shunned them, just run them out of the place. And the book wasn't revived until the 70s. There was still controversy even then. And it remains in print today. And for the first time, a play based on the novel uh, an official play is heading for the Gaiety Theatre this autumn. So we're going to be speaking to the, the, the director of the play and a member of the author's family, the ones who were hunted out of the Midlands all those years ago, the, the author being despised for depicting the people of small town Ireland in, in, in such a way with all its capricious unkindness. And um, But the story of the book is every bit as amazing as the story in the book, you'll see, and uh, so you'll enjoy that this morning. Uh, looking across the papers, and there is n- lots of good news, and good news is what we're in need of at the moment. And um, for Bruce Springsteen fans in particular, um, because he came back for his first time since 2016 this year, he did three shows in the RDS, and the reviews were amazing. And so Ralph Regal tells us in the Irish Independent this morning that the boss is eyeing Parky Cueve for a multiple gig tour uh, in Ireland in next year, as soon as next year he's going to come back again, apparently. May, they reckon, three sellouts. Yeah, that was this year. Uh, so they're negotiating, apparently, for two concerts at Parker Keeve uh, next May, they think the 16th and 17th. And another, uh, he's going to go back to Kilkenny, which he was in a couple of years ago, for, for gigs as well. And there are no plans for Dublin concerts for the boss in 2024. Uh, but there are uh, also indications that matches are being rescheduled or transferred for the May dates in anticipation of a major international artist. And Ralph Regal is telling us that he believes... His sources tell him this is Bruce Springsteen. And it's good news. It's going to be a hectic year for concerts in Ireland next year. The Taylor Swift is obviously coming. Coldplay is already announced as well for Dublin. And there are negotiations underway for another Slane Castle concert because the Harry Styles gig was very, very well received. And they're wondering who might be heading there. So lots of good news there for Boss fans. He puts on a good show, doesn't he? And Christy Moore is also around the place in the news. And he is putting on an incredible uh, run of 11 nights in Vicar Street this November, December and January. 78 years of, old, years of age. I'm looking on his website here. He's already touring right now, this month, August, September, October, November. They're all sold out all around the place. I see in Dunleary, he's in Galway, Leisureland and Bundoran and Tullo and Belfast and Armagh and Castlebar. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a machine, this fella. And um, but what he's done is there's been a pre-sale announced uh, lately. So now you can get 
pre-sale tickets for Christy Moore. Some people are sort of saying, is he now our Taylor Swift because of all the codes and pre-sale nights and all that jazz that's going on. Uh, the tickets are officially on sale tomorrow at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, so yeah, 11 nights in Vickersfield. And there'll be no sweat on, 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 well, there's loads of sweat on Christy, obviously, but no sweat on him selling out Vicker Street. So they'll have to get in there. He'll have to change the lyrics, won't you, for Liz to The chalk ices are gone. They've stopped making them. When you're the last of your pre-sale codes there, and the rush of sandwiches and your pre-sale emails and look up at your friend club. But we'll play a bit of Christy this morning, actually, because he's, he's one of them. He'll rouse us into happiness. Now I'm looking at a beautiful programme which landed on my this morning for the Dublin Theatre Festival 2023. This now is a sure sign that autumn is on the way. The Theatre Festival uh, in Dublin, which is a prestigious event, always happens in uh, late September, early October. Uh, it's a very, very beautifully designed programme. Actually, there's nice orange stuff going on. I'll give you a little flavour of what's uh, going to be happening. Martin Beans Ward, who's been on this show, uh, is going to be debuting his, his first play, it's his debut play. It's going to be a dark comedy called The Dead House and it's about an Irish traveller who hasn't been home for 10 years, returns from self-exile for his grandfather's funeral. The Dead House is what it's called. Great name and it sounds very good. And I'm going to mention another young fellow who was in with us, Luke Casserly. Uh, this is going to be in the Abbey Theatre. Distillation. So he was in with us. He was talking about um, being inspired by the peat harvesting industry in Ireland, which as we know has come to an end. And He worked with perfume makers and there's a sort of a, a, an olfactory encounter, it says. So you get to, there's lots of smells and stuff involved in it. And um, the Abbey Theatre is presenting that in the Goethe Institute, Goethe in, in Ireland. That's in October. So just to mention those two, but the Dublin Theatre Festival is on the lookout. It's a nice orange, beautiful cover with geometric swirls in it. And uh, the nice thing about the Theatre Festival is uh, they strive to be widely accessible, it says in their launch document here. And once again, they're going to offer 10% of all the tickets for selected festival productions at just €10 Euro each, because people obviously are... Um, stretched with the price of concerts and so on. So a tenor for under 30s, unwaged and freelance artists and workers in the arts. And they sold a thousand of these tickets last year. 10 for 10, it's called. So look out for those as well. Uh, Dublin Theatre Festival for all the information. And as I say, it's a sign of the autumn, but it's a nice one. You know, we're not quite ready yet, but the lights are on during the day at the minute. Um, so you'd be forgiven for, for thinking of the autumn a bit too soon on the second day of August. Now, across the, to the world, the Hollywood strike goes on and there are always bizarre stories coming out of the Hollywood strike. This is, uh, this is quite an interesting one because apparently over beyond in South California, in Hollywood, around Los Angeles, there's been a boom in plastic surgery appointments, bookings. Because obviously with the strike, they're not working, they're not promoting films. So you could be thinking, well, this would be the time now to go under the knife and uh, you'd have time to heal the scars and so on. Uh, what's the boom looking? Well, uh, clinics have reported as much as a 30% increase in appointments since the request began. Literally on the day when the writer's strike and the writer's strike first began, there was a really big influx on the day uh, with the actors. Not so much the writers, I would say. Uh, so Dr. Jason Diamond, that's only a name uh, for a plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills, says patients usually recover from a facelift in two weeks, but it could take six weeks for uh, the effects to be undetectable on camera. Aha, so they're thinking of the break and now's the time to get yourself well and truly René Zellweger, as they might say, because remember she emerged? And we don't want to be judgmental, of course. People do it for various different reasons. But I do, that she does stand out as someone um, who, uh, obviously there's lots of, there's lots of fellas there as well. 
Uh, Mickey Rooney is the one. Is that is he the, he's the one who, yeah, particularly well, he's been upfront about it. At least he couldn't be otherwise, because um, uh, you know the inexplicable work that they do. But it's all about the pressure, and particularly on women in Hollywood. So sadly, it continues, and the boom is going on. Now, what the feck are they up to in Donegal? Asked a question in Reddit. We started a whole conversation online yesterday about a brand I'd never heard of until now, but um, because a Reddit user discovered on their holidays in Donegal, that uh, they sell a particular brand of fizzy flavoured drinks. We, we know our f- uh, fizzy flavoured drinks and they go by county in this country, but I've never heard of fizzy banana flavoured drink, which is courtesy of McDade's, a well-known brand up in Donegal. And um, it's it's basically, like just Cork has the tenor and all of that. So up in Donegal, they have McDade's, uh, which has been going since the 1940s. They've been developing soft drinks up there. Uh, football Special was one that they developed to celebrate the numerous successes of the local Remelton Donegal football club, Swilly Rovers. It was called Football Cup initially, but now it's McDade's Football Special and it's up there. And they can also have exotic pineapple. Fizzy, exotic, ice cream soda. Yep, that's an Irish country tradition one. Usually uh, goes at American branding for reasons we never quite understood. American cream soda. Do they even have that over there? So McDade's, it is new to us, but I'm sure in Donegal they'll be going, ah, shall we know all about this? Now to a very, this is an amazing story out of America. Uh, The family of Henrietta Lacks have settled a lawsuit with a biotech giant. Now you may know, some people will be familiar with the story of Henrietta Lacks because it's an incredible story. She, um, she was a black woman and her cells were used without permission to form the basis of decades of scientific research. So who was she? Well, she, um, she went in for treatment for cervical cancer at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. And they, they took cells out of her and the doctors discovered that her cells were doubling on their own every, every 24 hours in the lab instead of dying. So they were the first human cells that scientists, they started exploring, investigating on this, and they, they were the first cells that they successfully cloned, human cells. And they have been reproduced infinitely ever since, taken from her without her knowledge or consent in 1951. She died herself that year, but the cells were continued to be used after her death in research, and research had led to enormous medical breakthroughs and advancements, including the development of the polio vaccine in treatments for various cancers, in the treatment of HIV AIDS, leukaemia, Parkinson's disease, and and used right to this day, including in the development of those COVID-19 vaccines. So her story reached Americans. The reason people will be familiar, there was a non-fiction bestseller a couple of years ago, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, because her cells were literally immortal. And it was made into a film starring um, Oprah Winfrey as Lacks' daughter, Deborah, uh, as part of their campaign, Fighting for Justice. It came out in 2017. And this campaign is going on. They launched it um, to mark, I think it was 70 years after her, um, after her death. And um, so they filed a lawsuit against Thermo Fisher Scientific. It's been going on for a couple of years and they finally settled it on what would have been her 103rd birthday. And her family, are they haven't released the details uh, about uh, the, the, the obvious, the settlement they've come up with. We don't know if the cells are going to be continued to be used, but at least the share is going to be used and they've acknowledged that this was done without her consent. And I think it's worth listening to her family's reaction because it's quite emotional after all of these years later and the billions and billions in profits that were made out of this black woman's cells taken and stolen from her. My grandmother gave the world a gift 70 years ago and we're here today to give her a gift of justice. It's not a very difficult ax when you think of the massive amounts of wealth that they have accumulated from 
using and studying and researching vaccines and medicines based on this black woman's genetic materials. It's an amazing story. Uh, so The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. That's the book and the film, which is well worth following up. Um, now, actually, 51551 is the text. I have to correct myself. I knew when I was saying Mickey Rooney, I was going, that's not quite right. He was the child star who died only in recent years. Mickey Rourke. Yes, Mickey Rourke, who was a bad guy in Iron Man and also won an Oscar for The Wrestler. A good Bob Dylan track as well, wasn't there? Did he, win, he won an Oscar, didn't he? And Bob Dylan, I think, uh, won an Oscar as well. Thank you, Sandra and Mallow, for correcting me. Um, was, I was frowning halfway through it, but look, at you, you, you got in touch with us and you fixed it. So thanks a million for that. Now, Rishi Sunak, who doesn't love an awkward political interview? Rishi Sunak is out and about. Uh, well, we should get the context of this story. is very interesting. I don't know if you've been following British politics lately. It has been quite dull until lately. Um, Rishi Sunak trailing in the polls. It looks like a, a swing to Keir Starmer's Labour Party that could be on the scale of Tony Blair's win, his first win in 97. And um, so Rishi Sunak is pretty desperate. He's going, we've got to divide people. So he's going to go, he's going to go um, for the woke people, as they call them in the Telegraph, um, which might be some, some of those policies are kind of fairly normal social reforms that we've been enjoying, but they are labelled as woke by the, the extreme elements of the Conservative Party. I think he's, you know, he's kind of an unconvincing crusader, Rishi Sunak. So he's announced he's going to max out the North Sea gas oil uh, reserves uh, as part of a divisive sort of a thing going, yes, well, we're still, this is our green energy policy. So we went up to Scotland to announce this, uh, that they're going to absolutely, you know, riddle whatever they can out of the seas around Scotland. And um, it, the interview didn't get off to a good start. Thanks very much, Indy, for being with us this morning. You, your team Pleasure. trailed this overnight as your big interview, but they've also told us, uh, rather disappointingly, we're strictly limited to five minutes with you. It seems a bit strange that, but let's get on with it, shall we? Straight, strange way to start the interview, but I'm just heading on my way up to Scotland. Ooh, ooh, he's, he was not happy at all. And uh, it, it, it didn't go on very well because he's talking about, well, this is a green energy policy he's, he's announcing. And, um, you know, what, how, what is he exactly going to do green policy and how did he get to Scotland? How are you getting up here to make this green announcement today? Private jet? Uh, I'll be flying as I as I normally would, and that is the most efficient use of my time. I, I mean, every prime minister before me has also used planes to travel around the United Kingdom because it's an efficient use of time for the person running the country. Oh, you, you can hear it in his voice; he's not very. He, he tries to kind of smile his way through, as though it's all very, very nice, and I'm going to be very nice. But it's, the strain is there. The strain is there because they are heading for a pummeling in the election, and uh, he did what any good prime minister will do after an awkward interview and a, a kind of crazy series of policy announcements. He's gone on holiday straight away. Now, to in other news of uh, tiny angry men, Boris Johnson is in the papers today because apparently he's held talks to appear on I'm a Celebrity. This is obviously after Matt Hancock did the same thing and was paid £320,000 sterling. Uh, and everyone thought, well, Matt Hancock is going to get, finally, his comeuppance in I'm a Celebrity uh, after the, the, the poor handling of the COVID pandemic over in the UK. But no, he did actually extremely well. People started feeling sorry for Matt Hancock at the end because I was treated by the other celebrities. And he ended up with um, 21% of the public vote. Uh, old millions of people voted for him. He started out at 21% and millions voted for him. And uh, Mr Boris Johnson, who needs the money because of all his various divorces and uh, many, many children who he can't apparently count or say how many he actually has, no longer an MP, apparently writing a book about Shakespeare, which is still not being produced uh, for all of what he would know about it. And um, that's what's going on. But apparently they're kind of denying it. But, you know, he can deny things one minute and change his mind the next. That does tend to happen. 
And uh, oh yes, yeah, so the, the local minerals texts are in already. Cavan Cola. Yes, we might even have gotten a monohydrate. No, never crossed, never crossed the, the borders into us, I'm afraid. Cavan Cola, they can keep it to themselves. Um, speaking of fellas who were fiddling while cities burned, the lad who literally played the fiddle while Rome burned, uh, Nero, although he blamed the Christians, of course, for the, the, the new uh, big mob that was rising in his period. Um, the ruins of a private theatre belonging to the first century Roman Emperor Nero has been unearthed in the Italian capital, metres from the Vatican. Uh, they had never, they didn't know it was there, an exceptional find, the experts are calling it. And they've unveiled uh, the very venue where Nero rehearsed his poetry and music and played his fiddles, I presume. Uh, he was there 54 to 68 AD. So, you know, they need in Rome another site to visit. And this, look, there's walls intact. I find this kind of amazing because uh, Dionysus is um, the, the, the theatre in Rome. Or, sorry, in ancient Greece. In Greece is something worth seeing, just the, the bed of where humans decided we need to sometimes sit around to get entertainment. And this is the shape in which we sit in and we still have that amphitheatre and theatre set up and comedy and drama comes out of it. I, I find it absolutely amazing. Um, kind of uh, speaking the history front, Ridley Scott has directed one of the most anticipated films of the year that's coming out, uh, Napoleon. So he's reunited with his gladiator star, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who was amazing in Gladio. Everyone talks about Russell Crowe, but I think he was the he was really the star of that show because it's kind of his prancing villainy. I think was uh, really stand out. Very good as Johnny Cash as well, of course, and Walk the Line. Uh, but anyway, himself, the two actors playing Napoleon and Josephine um, decided, look, at period dramas can be very stale and there's a bit of cliche of rouse and so on. So let's surprise each other. You do something that's not in the script, all right, whacking, and I'll just, um, I'll do whatever in reaction. But little did he know uh, that he basically, he, he slapped her. He slapped her without warning, Vanessa Kirby. Now, she's fine about it. She's been talking about it uh, because she did say, you know, do whatever you feel, slap crowd, and you do whatever you can, pull me, kiss me, whatever it is. And he did. And it kind of shocked things. And Ridley Scott's also been talking about the fact that uh, Wacken Phoenix came to him two weeks before they started filming and said, I don't know what to do here. The film. So they sit down and rehearse it uh, day by day and they did. That's coming out on the 22nd of November. That's what it's slated for release, as they say in the cinema world. Other films, by the way, to look out for Wonka. We played a clip when the trailer came out. It looks very, very good. Flowers of the Killer Moon, which is a really, really good book if you haven't read it. Non-fiction about the stealing of, of oil from the Osage County um, Indians. The Osage Indians. Uh, it's directed by Scorsese and it's going to have De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio and Brendan Fraser very excited and Dune of course part two but we don't know if they're all going to come out because the writer strike uh, will will prevent actors from promoting them and some of them are thinking maybe we'll shift them into next year and all that crack 51551 is our text this morning let's get things up and running we'll start with a bit of Christie shall we yes indeed good morning all See, he had no scruples when I looked into his pupils. They were purple or magenta, like a statue during Lent. I said I'd get her right away. Good man, says he, no don't delay. We're going to have some fun tonight. Then he flipped his legs in the flickering light. Ah, that's just gorgeous there from Christy Moore. The real and the flickering light. Is there a nicer name for a song? The flickering light. Suits him very well, doesn't it? The anyway, uh, 11 nights of Vicar Street. Oh, that's going to be some some crack. On cosmetic surgery is the text here. 51551. What a shift from Christy Moore to cosmetic surgery. <laughs> but there you go. I have to say, actors choosing it always sacrifice their acting ability somewhat, I find. Their facial features become tighter. It becomes harder to express emotion. Just look at Nicole Kidman 
And Cher, yes, uh, well, I know you mentioned the, the, the girls there, but there's a lot more as well. I totally agree with you. I kind of, some of those, you, you start to just spend half the film watching out to see how their face is going to move in a certain way. And you're going, is their skin around their nose moving because of, of that? And you judge them slightly, don't you? I'm not sure why. Uh, Helen is delighted to hear Christy. You're very, very welcome. And someone disagrees with me, of course, that Russell Crowe is the real star of Gladiator, apart from his extraordinary good looks. What? The emotional range of his acting was so impressive, says Catherine. Well, it is his. It's his standout, isn't it? But a beautiful mind. And um, that's an extraordinary film. Cinderella Man. Well, that's the boxing one, isn't it? I mean, he's had such great hits. L.A. Confidential. He's had huge, huge hits. Uh, but what a film. I always thought even at the time the CGI was a bit of ropey, but it made up for everything else. And Richard Harris, of course, is in at the very, very start. Um, God, I really want to watch Gladiator again now. And of course, Paul Meskell has been shooting... Um, Gladiator 2 well was until the strike a perfect song to start the day of exploring the hills of Wicklow could you say hello to Amy Ruby Rose Charlie and Carl on their holidays well enjoy your holidays I know it's a bit misty over the east coast of the minute but uh, sometimes misty is a good way to explore the hills in Wicklow it's full of kind of a fairy charm down there isn't it now we're going to the valley of the squinting windows after this 51551 is the text back at shortly and uh, yes, uh, the Gaiety Theatre Dotty, that's where to find the uh, tickets for the Valley of the Squinting Windows. And it's just an incredible story, just um, that it continued to invoke ire and resistance in Westmeath, even when it was the, the novel was revived in the 70s. But it survived because it told that very truthful story and one that's very familiar to us now after the the broad reckoning we've had in that era of horrors and the, the treatment of women and sex and, and all the rest of it. So, And it's still in print today. It's a novel, I'd say, that's uh, worth looking at. Uh, one text, we have to go to another break. Oliver, I was out for a walk and I was thinking of my late brother Colm and humming the song he wrote in the 1980s, Reeling in the, Reel in the Flickering Light, which Christy recorded, and it comes on. So uh, that's a thank you from Kieran Gallagher. And uh, sorry about your loss, Colm. Isn't it strange when those things happen and they bring people whispering to your mind? We have to go to another break. And I want to finish with this uh, message. The parallels between Sinead O'Connor and Brinsley McNamara are startling. Both had the courage to highlight issues in Irish society and both paid the price at the hands of the society unwilling to see, only to be recognised decades later for the brilliance of their efforts. How sore and true uh, that emerges. That's all we have time for today. Philip Boucher-Hayes is next. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, Slán.